welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 12 of The Subtle Knife, Screen Language. Can I just say that the title of this chapter sounds like a level in Crash Bandicoot. Screen language? Yes. I haven't played enough Crash Bandicoot to know what the vibes of the level titles are. (laughs) I mean, that's a complete lie. Remember that day when we just sat and played it for like seven hours? Yeah, but we only played one level. (laughs) (laughs) Again and again and again. (laughs) We got stuck on uh, Road to Nowhere. Road Road to Nowhere nowhere for like, literally, I timed it. It was like five hours. Um... No, there's levels in the first Crash Bandicoot towards the end, I think after Road to Nowhere, where it's all tech, techy, like weird metal-y stuff, which is like for the time, like the 90s. And I swear, I'm going to have to Google the levels because I swear, like, I, it's just it's somewhere in my brain. Feel free to, to carry on the podcast <laughs> while I do this. While Faye Googles Crash Bandicoot levels. It's the important research, you know? <laughs> truly, truly. I should have done this before. I'm not prepared. You know what video game we need to play? Mm. The Golden Compass. Yes, I've got it. I know. Just want to be allowed back in your house again so we can play. I've got it and I've got a PS3. It's literally waiting for us. I think I made, the, I made it up, I think. There's a level called uh, Heavy Machinery, which for some reason gave me the same vibe as screen language. Don't ask me why. Fair. It's just how my brain works, apparently. But yeah, I still I still stand by my statement. I think it could be a Crash Bandicoot level. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, how are you? I am okay. You know, standard pand- pandemic okay, but pretty good considering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking before we hit record about how we don't really have anything to talk about because nothing much has changed since we last recorded. Um, I'm excited <laughs> that the pubs are opening soon. Like when this goes out, the pubs will have been open for like two weeks, which is very exciting. And I will have seen you in person with a fucking pint. Oh my God. I'm so looking forward to having a pint. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about the fact that my nan is now 100% vaccinated. She had her second jab. So yay. Get it, Carol. (laughs) But yeah, no, like both, like my grandparents are fully vaccinated. My mum and dad have had their first. And then us soonish. I mean, like probably a couple of months, I would imagine. Oh, I did an exciting thing. Oh, tell me. Provided my application gets approved, I've booked a table at a convention. Yeah. Yeah, so in August, which feels so very soon, like I really, I'm crossing all of my fingers because I just, I would really love for it to go ahead and to feel safe. That's like the two things. And I'm really worried that it's either going to go ahead and I'm not going to feel safe because shit will have hit the fan or it'll just get cancelled and it'll be one more cancelled convention on my list. But DesignerCon, which is like a massive staple thing, it's been happening in the US for like 15 years, is having its first ever year in the UK which is like super exciting on my like list of career goals kind of thing. Toy making career goals has been go to America to do designer con because it's like the biggest, all the artists that I love that I follow seem to have had a table there at some point or like seem to go there. So the fact that it's coming to the UK is very exciting and hopefully they accept my application. Fingers crossed. That's so exciting. (laughs) I'll come and help you if I can. And also, if you ever go to the California one, you have to take me, obviously. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny to think about that stuff, isn't it? Because I have 
tickets obviously they, it was supposed to be last year to see green day weezer and fallout boy and that is apparently on the 25th of june oh and it's at wembley um no it's not at wembley it's at the olympic stadium and i'm like i will go if it happens don't you worry but how like obviously that's like four days after like fucking boris has been like everything will go back to normal people listening i'm doing like air quotes because i just that seems very strange to me it also seems very strange that like Leeds and reading thinks that they can happen this year that just seems too much too soon but i am definitely at that stage now where i'm just like look i have to be optimistic have to be optimistic and if it happens i'm going do you know what i mean like i'm not not gonna go i'm gonna go we'll see i suppose but i mean it's already been postponed once i can handle it being postponed again but i'm just like that is very soon it's very very soon i am excited for the prospect of finishing this book and then being able to have a little day trip to oxford because we'll be allowed to travel and we can go and have like a little walk around and look for some of the spots that will's been in and obviously we'll do it again when we finish the third book but very excited for it because a couple of my friends are moving to oxford as well and one of them grew up there and used when he was a student he used to do like walking tours of oxford for some extra money and would talk about some hdm stuff on those walking tours so i've told him that if you know while they're living there if we come to visit over the summer if he could give us a tour we'll try and get like a portable mic to like carry around oxford and we can record the sounds of the different locations that would be so fun (laughs) yeah let's definitely do that i was thinking the other day like i wonder if we'll ever record in the same room again because we stopped recording in the same room because of covid but now we live quite far away and like we have our own mics and we like technical the scary tech stuff we wouldn't want to go back onto one track yeah the scary tech stuff is seemed scarier but is actually easier when we're recording separately <laughs> we'll have to like try and do at least one where we're in the same room and try and get like johnny to help with like the bleed from the mics and stuff we could be in the same room but maybe we have to hang a duvet between us <laughs> yeah, so we can't actually <laughs> we can't see each see other, each other. <laughs> just cut a little window in the middle oh. of it speaking of the fact that I know I said it a while ago. We're on chapter 12. We've nearly finished the second book. Do you know what that means? It means that we're going to do a mailbag really soon. So if anyone has any questions, any thoughts on the book, we're going to be doing a book wrap up. We're going to be doing a mailbag. Lantern slide. If you have thoughts and feelings about this second book or how it relates to the first book or any of the things that we've said so far, drop us an email. We bloody love an email. We bloody love an email. And if you have thoughts on Northern Lights too, because we didn't do a mailbag at the end of Northern Lights, so feel free to get your Northern Lights thoughts in as well. But it's exciting. I love reading everyone's emails and I'm very excited to talk about them because basically what happens is they come through into the inbox. I read them, tell Rach about them, and then I file them away in a folder and kind of forget about them. So it's going to be really exciting to go back and be like, oh yeah, this was a great question. Or like, this is a great story that somebody's told us. Yes, yes, yes. Get your mails into the bag. Yay! <laughs> pod at gmail.com. Hey, Faye. Hey. What would your demon have been this week? So, Rach, as you know, all I do at the minute is scroll TikTok and find very specific TikToks that seem to be <laughs> definitely aimed at me, which I will not, I shall not elaborate on right now, but it's scary. As you know, I love whales and I always wanted my demon to be a whale, but you know, 
practicality. I saw an amazing video and I'm going to send you the link, Rich. And it was a blue whale. It's hard to explain. It's like coming up really close to somebody's boat and it's making all the amazing whale noises. Let me find the link for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's quite scary. I sent it to, to somebody and they were like, that's terrifying. I'm like, no, it's not. It's amazing. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, so basically what I'm saying is my demon this week would be a blue whale because I love whales so much and my demon has never been a whale and I realise it would be very impractical, unpractical, what's the word there? It wouldn't be very practical, but just this once. I want it to be a whale. Let's have a whale for a week. Yeah, I'll live on a boat for a week. That sounds great. And also me and Rich have both been watching a lot of Below Deck, so I think I've been thinking about the ocean a you lot. You could go and be a yachty and have a whale demon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What would your demon be? Well, this is where I now send you some very cute pictures. Okay, I'm ready. It would be a classic little green tree frog because one of the things that has been delighting me this week is frogs in flower hats. It's the best thing in the world, people putting flowers upside down on top of frogs and it looks like they're wearing happy little hats oh my god pet frogs crafting <laughs> tiny wizard hats for their frogs if you look at enough frogs in flower hats you will eventually find frogs with lizards on their head which is adorable and anyone who knows me uh knows i have a massive tattoo of a frog and a lizard on my leg and so the combo of frog and lizard is spectacular and there's just so many pictures of frogs with things like balanced on their heads frogs with snails on their heads it's like what why have you got a snail on your head this frog looks like princess leia because it's got a snail on either side of its head (laughs) why oh Oh my god (laughs) it's a little princess leia frog basically if you want if you enjoy frogs i know some people do not find frogs adorable but i do they're amazing um just look up frogs in flower hats and delight in how goddamn cute frogs are with flower hats on and then keep scrolling because you'll eventually find frogs with lizards on their heads and frogs with snails on their heads <laughs> i would like to set you a task ridge when we post this episode you have to do instagram story with all those pictures that you just sent me yes it's very important that you do that i will i will do that <laughs> i always think when we talk about our demons each week that we really ought to post pictures on socials and then when we actually come to have edited the episode and be posting it we completely forget because we have goldfish brains we do if i remember i'll post that tiktok of the blue whale on twitter you can't can you post post tiktoks to your instagram stories i don't know i'm an old lady i feel like i've seen people do it but i don't know how because i don't have tiktok because i'm not a cool youth like you (laughs) i'm so cool there is an option to share so i'll see if it lets me do it if it does i'll put it on our instagram story if not you just have a look on twitter i'm afraid and in the moment right now google frogs with flower hats because it's friggin' adorable (laughs) shall we get into this episode we shall last chapter lyra and will were back in chittagatsu recovering from the heist A group of children led by Angelica and Paolo formed an angry mob and chased them into a tower. Serafina and the witches came to their rescue. In this chapter, we're back with Mary and meet her colleague, Dr. Oliver Payne. They're visited by creepy Charles slash Boreal, who offers to help fund the research, but only if they make some morally sketchy changes to its direction. Mary uses the cave to speak to Dust and is told she has a special mission and must play the serpent. She follows these instructions and ends up going through a window to Chittagatsu. Well, 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 here we are, back with Mary. Very happy to be back with Mary. 
Yeah, we love Mary. We love Mary. Love Mary. And this chapter just makes me love Mary even more than I loved Mary before. Mm-hmm. It is a great Mary chapter. It is. It's Mary putting up with a lot of shit and then not putting up with the shit. And that is what we love to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Mary is telling her colleague, Dr. Oliver Payne, who I'm just going to straight up say is a dick. Not a fan of him. Bit of a pain, isn't he? Yay! Yay! Good one. He's telling, she's telling him all about Lyra's visit. He's very dismissive and impatient straight out of the bat. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't care. I would like to propose that we play a game this episode, whereby we take some of the things that Mary says that we very much recognise and resonate with as women who have had to interact with men in the workplace, and we remove her uncertainty and her cushioning of his ego. And we take some of the things that he says, and we cushion them. Because it's really interesting to kind of look at the way that they interact and how he essentially gets away with being a bit of a blunt dickhead and how she feels that she has to make him feel better. And that's a very common thing that seems to happen in the workplace. Oh, 100%. I I feel like she plays that part up until the end where she's like, oh yeah, I see what this is. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. I have this experience so much and I I always send like TikToks and stuff to our like group chat where it's like a woman like writing an email and, and saying like, and this is me completely saying like, oh, just checking in on this. I hope you're doing well. Like, is it, can you get that thing done? Like, is it done yet? Rather than just being like, hi, so-and-so, I need this done by this date. Can you let me know how it's going or whatever? It's always like, oh, so sorry to ask. Oh, just wondering how that project's going. That is me completely. I wish it wasn't, but it is. I try not to, but most of the time I do not succeed. I definitely cushion myself. And I do not get that from any of the men in my office. Even men that are considered some of my best friends outside of the office is very blunt on email to me. And I don't take it the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? Like I I just see it and I'm like, cool, yeah, that's a thing that I need to do or like that's a conversation that we need to have. So like, why can't I do that? Every conversation I have with any other woman in the workplace is exactly the same. I used to have it. I have not been one for sending a lot of emails in my work because I tend to not be at that level that's like a project manager kind of thing but back when I worked in prop shops and stuff even just wandering around the workshops to like you know need to go and get some more paint need to get these brushes from the paint store etc etc and like interacting with different departments instead of walking up to someone and being like I need this can you tell me where this is I would be like oh sorry to bother you I just need to borrow some of this if that's okay I wish I was the person just went I need this you need to show me where this is I hate that I do it. <laughs> it's a really tough thing to like try and get over. Just men and their fucking audacity in it. Like, I'm so sick of it. Yes. Um, so essentially here, Mary is telling Oliver about her interaction with Lyra and the things that she's learned from Lyra. But instead of just being like really, really confident about what she's learned and what she knows and that this is very important information, she's kind of still couching it a lot in like a lot of I thinks. The whole chapter starts with Oliver questioning Mary, being like, tell me again. Either I didn't hear you or you're talking nonsense. Rude. A child from another world. And then Mary's like, instead of just being like, yes, she has to be like, yeah, that's what she said. All right, it's nonsense, but listen to it. Please hear me out rather than just saying yes. And you're an idiot for not listening to me, (laughs) which is what he would do. And also she's just getting into the story and he interrupts her and he's like, wait a minute, give me some sort of structure. It's like, how about you let this person tell the story that they want to tell 
And then you ask questions afterwards if you don't understand. Yeah. So it's the fact that she's trying to relate everything back to him, not just to say this is important, what Lyra has told me is important, but being like, and this is why it's relevant to you. This is why I feel you should be interested. So relating it all back to the skulls, to his field of research, to try and encourage him that it's worth his time. Whereas I believe that if he were the one telling her this, he would just state it as important and not feel the need to relate it to her and pique her interest. Even though she is a higher rank than him in the department because she's the director, right? And he's underneath her from what it sounds like at the end when she steps away from it because she's like, oh, if I go, you can you get to be the director or something along those lines. Yeah, they kind of basically discuss a lot of what we learned from Lyra to do with the Big Bang and the levels of development and when dust and shadow particles seem to have like taken root and a link with human consciousness that has been touched on but not explained so clearly up until this point which is really interesting oliver asks about the policeman Uh, mary says he said he was from the special branch i thought that was politics or something and then oliver says terrorism subversion intelligence all that and i just wanted to see if that was true so i had a look and it is i can tell you a little bit about it so special branch is a british police force it works mostly for security services especially mi5 and it was formed in 1883 it was actually merged with the Metropolitan Police Anti-Terrorist Branch to form the Counter-Terrorism Command in 2006. So it doesn't exist anymore. It got merged with the Counter-Terrorist Command. It says the main function for all these branches was to collect evidence and arrest the enemies of the United Kingdom who lived on home territory. Historically, these have been the IRA, Soviet and Russian intelligence agents, and Islamic extremists and terrorists. In a way, it made me do a little internal chuckle because I'm like, the special branch are getting involved with fucking Lyra. She's like a tiny child. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that thing of just being like, oh, well, if anyone's going to know about this, if it's like saying it's the FBI, if you're in America, I think, of being like, well, they're going to be the ones that are scully and mouldering it and like finding out about the sci-fi stuff. So I guess in the UK, it would be the special branch that deals with the sci-fi stuff. <laughs> that crops up that they're sweeping under the rug and hiding (laughs) but like it just made me think do they think because it says like threats to the united kingdom that live in the united kingdom i was like do they think lyra is a threat to the united kingdom (laughs) lyra didn't even know what the fucking united kingdom was until (laughs) until, like Ah, she's from britain with a y exactly (laughs) oliver is rude he basically says to mary i'm off you realize that don't you again me going into that conversation is saying like I'm really sorry to leave you with this at short notice. I know that you know I was in Geneva and I was having conversations about job stuff and I'm just at like a place in my life and my career where I really feel like I ought to be moving on to a new job now. And so I'm really, really sorry to leave you in the lurch. I will work out as much notice period as you need me to, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to take this job. No, he's just like, (laughs) you do realise that I'm leaving, don't you? Such a dick. Not a fan of all of Such a dick. (laughs) As she's explaining everything, the phone rings and they're interrupted and they have a visitor. It's Creepy Charles slash Boreal and we don't love to see it. I just want to reread another bit that Oliver says because he's a dick. Rich is on her Oliver fucking tirade right now and I love it. I am. I'm so sorry. So it is Creepy Charles on the phone, but he doesn't seem to give a shit until Creepy Charles actually shows up because he's too busy being rude to Mary about the work that they're doing because... He says he's got to take the job. And then he's like, to be frank, which is AKA, no offense, AKA, 
going to cause some offence. I can't see any point in the sort of stuff you've just been talking about. Children from another world and fossil shadows. It's all too crazy. I just can't get involved. I've got a career, Mary. That is so fucking condescending. It's like, does he... I've got a career, Does he not think that Mary Mary has a fucking career? A career that's apparently going better than his because she's above him in the the office. (sighs) Screw you, Oliver. This level of disdain and rudeness to Mary is, I think, really important for couching our rage at him throughout this whole chapter and seeing how much of a massive slimy hypocrite he is oh god yeah so creepy charles is here oh god he is his back and we do not love to see him at all creepy charles strides into the room with the confidence of a mediocre white man and <laughs> proceeds to pretend like he owns the place despite the fact that he's never been there before <laughs> one of my notes was just it's fucking boreal i'm sick of him being in this book to bh yeah (laughs) mary says come in said dr malone weary but puzzled did oliver say sir charles what can we do for you and i just really like to think that she said that did oliver say sir charles in a really sarcastic way Mm -hmm. is it sir are you a sir Sir? (laughs) i don't think so i'm not gonna call you that yeah (laughs) sir charles then kind of goes on to be like oh it's not what you can do for me it's what i can do for you drops a bunch of information about how much he knows about the project, drops a few little, oh, well, I can't tell you how I know, how much I know, because it, cough, official secrets act, cough. <laughs> it's so self-important. And like, he mentions the official secrets act, like, multiple times. He thinks he's really important. He knows exactly how to manipulate people by mentioning official government bodies and mentioning all these structures of power, which he has easily slipped into my my thing with this is like imagine having the fucking nerve to come in to somebody's office and be like i love what you're doing here's how i want to make it work for me how fucking dare the fact that he's in so he's going i know you've been struggling for funding and mary very clearly says he essentially offers to advocate for them to the funding committee and mary's like oh i didn't think it worked like that i thought they went on peer review and so on and academia loves to think it's a meritocracy and it's not it's an old white guys club and so charles very much says that because he says oh it does in principle of course but it also helps to know how these committees work in practice and to know who's on them Uh, well here i am i'm intensely interested in your work and i think it might be very valuable would you let me make informal representations on your behalf aka go and play golf with somebody i watched that documentary about the college the college admissions scandal and people like paying for like side doors to get like really rich people paying for side doors to get their kids into college and it's like they're rich enough they can pay four hundred thousand dollars or whatever but they're not rich enough that they can donate like a million dollars to somewhere like harvard which is the usual thing for just getting in through the back door you know build a library get your kid into college well this one is pay somebody loads of money and get them to photoshop your kid into pictures of sports teams and then they bribe people that run sports teams to give them sports scholarships to universities it's a really interesting documentary worth a watch but it just reeks of that whole like these like very wealthy people like manipulating the system because they can and that's very much what sir charles is saying he can and will do for this project because (sighs) privilege man privilege and power (laughs) yep 100 percent. and like this chapter it says things like he sits down as if he was in charge and i'm like oh my god just fuck off just fuck off charles boreal i don't want you in this book just go away (laughs) leave us alone 
there's a flicker of complicity that passes between Sir Charles and Oliver and Oliver comes to sit down as well. And again, I feel like it's that they're just going to bro down now. <laughs> like Oliver had one foot out the door and now suddenly someone's talking about money and funding and he's sitting down and getting involved. Go away, Oliver. <laughs> Get out. Totally, 100%. It also, it just makes me like, Mary wants this to happen so much that she's just like, oh my God, yes. And it shows her innocence. And I know that it, she twigs later on, but she just wants it to happen so bad that she's just like, oh my God, yes, please help us. And yeah, it has to be fucking Oliver and, and Charles that are like, actually there's something that I want in exchange. It's Charles being like, there's a direction I'd like to see you taking and Mary being like, hang on, the direction of my research is up to me as the person that's conducting the research. Like, what? <laughs> and um, yeah, Oliver being like, no, no, hear him out. Sir Charles spread his hands in a gesture of regret and got to his feet. Classic power move of being like, oh, okay then, I'm gonna go now. Gonna take this offer with me, bye-bye. <laughs> And then that's when Oliver's like, oh no, please, please dear, please misters. There's a great description of Sir Charles here. Dr. Malone looked at him clearly for the first time. She saw a man in his late 60s, prosperous, confident, beautifully dressed, used to the very best of everything, used to moving among powerful people and whispering in, in important ears. Oliver was right. He did want something and they wouldn't get his support unless they satisfied him. She folded her arms. Yes, Mary, you fold your arms. <laughs> I love so much just the line she folded her arms because that's when you know that she's done. Like she's done with this bullshit. She's closed herself off physically. She was open to it a minute ago. She's realized that she was wrong, that he is shady as fuck. And she's like, I'm done with this shit. Fold the arms. That's it. I love the way it's written because it's just she folded her arms is just one sentence on one line on its own. It's very like, and this is the point where Mary made her mind up that she did not want to help this man because she could see that he was swinging his dick around and trying to manipulate her projects. <laughs> swinging his dick around. Love it. Dr. Payne apologises for how primitive their coffee is. Oh no, you must be so used to fancy coffee. Get a fucking grip, mate. Get a grip. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, God. Ew. So this is where we learn what direction Creepy Charles slash Boreal wants them to go in. So... While I understand that you've made some fascinating discoveries in the field of consciousness, yes, I know you haven't published anything yet and it's a long way seemingly from the apparent subject of your research. Nevertheless, word gets around and I'm especially interested in that. I would be very pleased if, for example, you were to concentrate your researches towards the manipulation of consciousness. That is so fucking sinister. Just get into mind control, guys. <laughs> in a way, right, and God, this is the first and only time you'll I, actually I think I might have potentially complimented him before he has a way with words that is very good in a sense of like he will tell you what he wants but he will word it in a way that makes it sound appealing and not monstrous so basically he's wanting to control people's minds but the way that he speaks it with such confidence and like manipulates the words in a way that it doesn't sound as bad is a talent, I will say that. It reeks of the manipulation that he's used to get to where he is to wield the power that he has. 100%, yeah. And that's kind of unusual because he's not being super direct. It is manipulative and it is couching all of his things in terms of like trying to persuade someone that what he wants is what you want, which is what we were just saying is what lots of women in the workplace feel they have to do to get their ideas heard. But he's doing it in such a different like entitled and manipulative way in terms of like, he, this is the nice way. And if you don't agree with him immediately, we're about to see that he can 
go the not nice way. Because at the end of the day, like he does have he does have stakes in this because it would be much easier for him if he got Mary and Oliver on board because they are obviously the experts in this research and what they've been doing. But he also knows that if they say no, then they can just fucking do it anyway. It might be a tiny bit harder, but they can still do it. He again mentions the Official Secrets Act and it's like, oh, a tedious piece of legislation. <laughs> God. Yeah. He also talks about the many worlds hypothesis, doesn't it? So I believe you're on the track of something that could take that theory a good deal further. And that line of research might even attract defense funding, which, as you know, is still plentiful even today and certainly isn't subject to these wearisome application processes. And I remember defense funding being mentioned in the TV show because I was like, what the fuck is defense funding? AKA military shit. AKA taking your research and turning it into things that you can use to hurt people. Turning it into a weapon, yeah. We're not here for it. No, absolutely no. <laughs> not. And I remember in the TV series, this entire conversation is not as long. And the thing that makes Mary fold her arms in the TV series is the mention of defense funding because she's like, no, I'm not going to take my research and use it to hurt people. Done. He then mentions Lyra and Mary goes pale. She, I think this is like kind of when she realizes like, oh shit, like he knows, he knows everything. He knows all the shit that's been going on. In my notes, I wrote red flag every time there was a red flag. The first red flag we get, I wrote down from Charles, red flag number one is when he first mentions the Official Secrets Act. Red flag number two is when he mentions defense funding. Red flag number three when he's talking about like manipulation of consciousness, red flag number four is when he starts talking about Lyra. Mary, get your shoes on, run. Just go, <laughs> just run. Yeah, just get out of there right now. He basically aims this at, at Mary now. He's like, Dr. Malone, it may be that you have come across one or, because he's talking about Will or Lyra, one or other of these children. And it may be that you're quite properly inclined to tell the police about what you know, but you would be doing a greater service if you were to let me know privately. And he just goes on and on like that. He can talk for days, can't he? Oh, he fucking can. God. I would know, for instance, if you saw her again. And if you didn't tell me, I would know that too. You'd be very wise to think hard about that and to clarify your recollections of what she said and did when she was here. This is a matter of national security. You understand me? I hate him. So much. So much. There's a little moment here that I do love, though, because he's like, oh, well, I'll stop. Here's my card so you can get in touch. And so he hands a card to Oliver, but Mary won't uncross her arms yes. to take the card off him. So he just like pops it on the table love in front it. of her. And I love that power move from Mary of like not taking it from him. Me too. And like in my head, I would like to think that it made him look a little bit stupid for like three seconds when he was just like yes. holding it out to her and she was like, absolutely not. So he just like put it on the table. And I'm imagining him like gingerly like popping it on the table, just giving it a little pat or like popping it on the table and then like sliding it towards it. <laughs> Totally, yeah, totally. So yeah, at least we have that. We made him look stupid for maybe like three or four seconds. And then he leaves and Oliver goes back to being rude again. He basically has a go at Mary for not being like more accommodating and like polite and listening to like what Sir Charles has said. And like, this is where we realise that, wow, fucking Oliver's morals are not great. He does not have good principles in life clearly he just wants to get ahead he doesn't care about where the research would go all that kind of stuff his argument is kind of like oh but like even if it went that way if we were still there we'd, we'd be able to help push it in another like in a slightly different direction and it's like okay i feel like maybe today is the day that like mary's had enough of his shit as well 
because like the very beginning of this chapter she's having like a relatively normal conversation with him she's being enthusiastic about this research they've done together she knows he's been in geneva and they've probably been like cordial work acquaintances for quite some time and been doing this dance of like him probably being quite blunt her probably being quite accommodating workplace shuffling and then today's the day when she's seen that he's a massive hypocrite and is done and like i love to see this where she just tears him a new one so much because he's gone from i'm leaving to like don't you want this project to survive yeah and that's the thing isn't it like kind of what i was just saying he wants the funding to work on the project purely for his own gain because he knows that if if it happens his name will be attached to it and like he'll get more funding for other projects probably get better jobs all that kind of shit he doesn't seem to give a shit about the fact that charles mentioned manipulating consciousness which Like, for me, like, as soon as I read that line, I was like, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, definitely. I love, by the way, throughout this whole chapter, Mary keeps getting, like, little jibes in about Geneva. She's like, I thought you were going to Geneva anyway. And she says it when Charles was there, too, and it made me laugh. I was like, yeah, Mary, you get in those little fucking jibes. Just that thing of, like, wait, you were out. You were out of the door. You were leaving me in the dust and being like, screw your tiny project. And now you're like, ooh, but we have to get this. I hate it. I hate it. When he's like, you can't turn down offers like that. Do you want this project to survive or not? And Mary's, Mary sees so clearly. She's like, it wasn't an offer. It was an ultimatum. Do as he says or close down. And Oliver, for God's sake, all that not so subtle threats and hints about national security and so on. Can't you see where that would lead? And then he's condescending and he's like, I think I can see it more clearly than you can. Oh, just accusing a woman of being over-emotional, are we? Do one. Defence funding, for God's sake, they want to find new ways of killing people is a really big thing. They want to talk about manipulating consciousness. Like, Mary is so on it with this, like, finding it morally reprehensible. And I I feel like Oliver saying, they'll do it anyway and you'll be out of a job. It's like, okay, Oliver, this is more important than somebody's fucking job right now. I understand jobs are important. But his defense there is just nothing. He's like, they'll do it anyway and you'll be out of a job. It's like, yeah. Also like, oh, and you care about my job now, Oliver, because before you were abandoning this research team to go to a different job and you still have that job offer that you can just go to. So why do you care about whether I stay or not? Or did you just smell a slightly sweeter slice of pie? All the men in this chapter are such fucking jobs worths trash (laughs) trash every single one it's like literally mary versus three or four annoying to the point of trashy like definitely a lot of them are fully trash men just like mary versus these men it's kind of like a video game a little bit like that crash bandicoot level i was talking about (laughs) yes (laughs) but yeah so the vibe we get from this chapter is that we hate we hate Oliver. I wish that I could find a redeeming feature in him and be like, oh, maybe he is really worried about his job because like, who knows? He might have a family. He might be worried financially about stuff. But in that case, surely if he's had a job offer elsewhere, he would just take that and go. It's a definite greed coming into play here. It's a definite scrabbling to get more power, being seduced by the allure of somebody powerful coming in and giving him a hand up the ladder which really grates, really grates my cheese. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And this is where he he says to Mary, if you don't get in touch with him, I will. And then she's like, oh, I see. 
Mary, I've got to think of, of course you have. It's not that. No, no, you don't understand. Yes, I do. It's very simple. You promise to do as he says. You get the funding. I leave. You take over as director. It's not hard to understand. You'd have a bigger budget, lots of nice new machines, half a dozen more PhDs under you. Good idea. You do it, Oliver. You go ahead. But that's it for me. I'm off. It stinks. Yes, Mary. Yes, 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 yes. yes. She sees so clearly this is the thing okay if oliver had said but mary it's a chance to keep going with this research like we've made so many promising discoveries it might be like slightly sketchy funding but i'm sure that we could push it in the directions that we want to behind the scenes and we can fight for what we want once we have the funding etc etc he could be trying to get her on side he could be trying to like advocate for the research but he's not he's just like well, if you don't want the job, I'll take it. Well, this is the thing. Do you not think that this was his plan all along? Like he wants her to go so that he can take over. The moment there was this, like a whiff of more money and power, he kind of was like, oh, screw the job in Geneva. And him just being like, oh, that, that Geneva job, it it wasn't signed. It wasn't it wasn't definite. Like I didn't say that I had to go. And it's like, he literally just said like, you do realise I have to go. There's no way I can stay, et cetera, et cetera. Stick to your fucking guns, Oliver. You know what I mean? So slippery. <laughs> mm. Mary leaves and he phones Charles straight away. And then we do a little time jump to midnight and Mary, she's going back to the building to do some experimenting. And she gets stopped by another fucking Jobsworth who's like, where are you going? Blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, probably important to say here that this person was never there before. Like, I think it's noted that there was only like an elderly porter that like protected the building before. But now there's this like random security man. Yeah, something has happened during the last day, which we know what it is, that has meant that they've beefed up the security. I feel sorry for Mary in this chapter because she really has to like work to get past these men. She's just doing so much fucking work. Also, like, how frustrating your office that you've been working out of for the last however, who knows how many years, you're suddenly being questioned about whether you can go in there. And it's like, it must be so frustrating. Oh my God, 100%. He asks for, like, ID, and then she asks for his. Which I love. Yep. <laughs> she spots a mobile phone holster on his hip, which I immediately, my note was just, nerd, and then realised that. <laughs> It said like, oh, or maybe it was a gun. She couldn't work it out because it was dark. But like, if it's a mobile phone and a holster, that man is over the age of 45. <laughs> it makes me think of Ron Swanson. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, he asked like a bunch of questions. I like that she realizes that this guy just needs to be soothed like a dog, which I, one of the things, just one of the things I really love about women is the fact that we have had to deal with so many shitty men over the years that we pretty much know how to deal with most of the stuff that they throw at us if we are confident enough to do so. So you see a man that's being like really ego egotistical and like flaunting the fact that he's a security guard and he's asking for your ID. You just got to soothe him like a dog, you know, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, you say it's a thing you love about women. It's a thing that I hate that women have had to learn to do. Oh, of course. Yeah. But it's an amazing skill. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Like I hate that women have had to do that too. Don't get me wrong, but it is a useful skill. So she says she's got an experiment running and she's got to go and check the computer. And eventually he lets her past and she gets to her lab 
And I lolled at the mention of a floppy disk. I completely forgot that these books were old. Like, do you know, because we've just seen the TV show and it's like set in present day. I was like, a floppy yeah. disk? Where's your USB, Mary? Why aren't you downloading it from your cloud storage? <laughs> a floppy disk. Kids, do you think there's any kids listening to this podcast that don't know what a floppy disk is? How would you explain what a floppy disk is? So a floppy disk was kind of like a USB stick. Do people even use USB sticks anymore? Probably it's all in not. the cloud. <laughs> it's all in the cloud. You would store files on it, but it was like a square or like a rectangle and it could fit fuck all on it. Like, I think it was like, it wouldn't even fit like a bunch of Word docs on it. It was the smallest of storage compared to like what we have now. Oh God, you could fit like less than a gig, less than half a gig. It was like two... I can't even remember how many megabytes it was, but I remember being like, I think it was when I was in like year seven at secondary school. So first year of secondary school, we, they were just about going from being like hand in your IT homework on a floppy disk. And like, I feel like the, the following month or year, it would have been hand it in on a CD or a USB pen. Like it was such a close thing. And I remember loading like a science project or like some kind of powerpoint presentation onto a floppy disk and then being like it's got too many pictures in it it won't fit <laughs> got oh to make it God. smaller <laughs> imagine imagine that now are you looking at floppy disks i am i'm trying to work out where the word floppy comes from because <laughs> they're not floppy. They called floppy they are not floppy at all there seems to be no particular reason why they're called floppy. <laughs> I need to just check. But yeah, you would put them into your computer, much like a USB stick. Also, it's called a disk, but it's square, for one thing. Or a majority of them were square. So like, what? it's not a disk, that's a square. It's a floppy square. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why they're, why they're called floppy. Tell me where the word floppy comes from. Because they're not floppy, they're solid. You can't flop them. <laughs> Famously not floppy. Also, the floppy disk or floppy diskette, sometimes casually referred to as a floppy or a diskette, (laughs) is a type of disk storage composed of a thin and flexible disk of magnetic storage medium in a square or nearly square plastic enclosure lined with fabric that removes dust particles from the spinning disk. Floppy disks are read from and written to by a floppy disk drive or FDD. Wow. (laughs) Bit of history for you there, folks. (laughs) A floppy. A floppy. Get me a floppy fair. Get me a floppy. So after I'd gotten over that, <laughs> she takes out this floppy disk, puts it into the or computer. floppy, if you will. Or diskette. You she know. gets a floppy. She gets out the diskette and she puts it into the computer that controls the cave and then she starts to ooh, manipulate numbers and shit. She's been working on it at home. She's been doing some programming. She wants to try out some things. And she starts typing. And at first she's really surprised because the words arrange themselves on the screen and she'd not done that in the programming. Like she'd not put in a word processor. I love a little bit where it says um, the complexity of her task was about as baffling as getting three halves to make a whole, which true, that's me. Anytime anyone asks me to do anything remotely to do with computers or text or any kind of programming things, it baffled utterly baffled (laughs) yeah i'm the same like i'm very similar with numbers like i'm terrible with numbers i'm terrible with excel like anything like that no just not for me not for me thank you whatever is going on in the machine seems to write its own program in terms of how the conversation is about to be formatted Ooh, i just used words that sounded technical (laughs) so there's a bit here um so it says she felt the hairs begin to stir on the back of her neck and she became aware of the whole of the building around her 
the corridor's dark, the machine's idling, various experiments running automatically, etc., etc. And I always get that feeling when I feel scared. I feel like I'm much more aware of everything around me if I am scared. So like I'm aware of like, oh, I'm in my bedroom, but there's like three other rooms in this house that I'm not in. And there's like things in there that could move. Or do you know what I mean? And you're like just really aware of everything that's around you. Literally me for the past few days because I watched Parasite the other day. Parasite is not scary. It's not scary, but it messes with your head. (laughs) I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I had some really, really weird dreams afterwards, kind of based on a couple of moments from it. If any film is going to heighten your awareness of your home, it's going to be that film. That is fair. It's such a great film. I will say, I think my favourite bit, and probably one of the most tense moments I've ever felt while watching a film, and I won't spoil it, the bit where they're in the living room, like hiding, under either under the coffee table or behind it. I was like, oh my fucking God, this is so tense and amazing and I love it. It's one of the few things I've watched recently that has, aside from season two of His Dark Materials, when in the fight in the tower and Pan gets kicked and I literally screamed out, like went, ah, out loud. uh, It's one of the few things I've watched recently that has made me like kind of shout in like shock or delight or any of the things. It's got a lot of emotions going on. But anyway, that is a film that will make you feel very aware of your surroundings. Yes, it will. And it's great. Would recommend. So she tries again because it didn't work. And she says, I'm trying to do with words what I've done before with state of mind, but... Ask a question. Sassy dust interrupts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're about to find out that shadow particles have attitude and love interrupting. (laughs) And I hope you appreciated my interruption. I did. I did. (laughs) They are sassy as fuck. She felt as if she had stepped on a space that wasn't there her whole being lurched with shock. And then, Rich, do you want to play, do you want to play Shadows and I'll, or Dust and I'll play Mary? Sure. Okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let me just get my, like, get your sass really, get like, your sass deadpan, sarcastic yeah. energy. Get into like, character. Flowing. Get into character. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yes. Are you Shadows? Yes. Are you the same as Lyra's Dust? Yes. And is that Dark Matter? Yes. Dark Matter is conscious? evidently what i said to oliver this morning my idea about human evolution is it correct but you need to ask more questions (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so mary uh she stopped she took a breath pushed her chair back flexed her fingers she could feel her heart racing every single thing about what was happening was impossible all her education all her habits of mind All her sense of herself as a scientist were shrieking at her silently. This is wrong. It isn't happening. You're dreaming. And yet there they were on the screen. Her questions and answers from some other mind. That's a great paragraph. We'll see. Amazing. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. We're turning into an audiobook again. I know. But this bit, it's just fun. Okay. The mind that is answering these questions isn't human, is it? No, but humans have always known us. Us? There's more than one of you? Uncountable billions. But what are you? Angels. Oh boy. And then she's like, what the fuck? I thought I got out of the nunnery. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Did you just knock your headphones off? (laughs) Rach said that with such gusto that she... Her headphones flew. What the wire flew. (laughs) None of her faith was left her now, but she knew about angels. St. Augustine had said, 
Angel is the name of their office, not of their nature. If you seek the name of their nature, it is spirit. If you seek the name of their office, it is angel. From what they are spirit, from what they do, angel. Angels are creatures of shadow matter, of dust. Structures. Complexifications. Yes. And shadow matter is what we have called spirit. From what we are, spirit. From what we do, matter. Matter and spirit are one. Oh my god, they've been listening to our thoughts. Oh my god. And did you intervene in human evolution? Yes. Why? Vengeance. Vengeance for, oh, rebel angels after the war in heaven, Satan and the Garden of Eden. But it, it, but it isn't true, is it? Is, is that what you... But why? Find the girl and the boy. Waste no more time. You must play the serpent. Wow. So this is like, it's not even answering a question. It's just like, we have not got time. <laughs> so this is such a great bit in the book and it really gives me the chills. And I think the TV show did a great, great job of this bit, especially when it said vengeance. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, also the whole bit with like the war in heaven and rebel angels and stuff. I, as you all know, I'm not well versed in the Bible. So I had to Google that to to be like is that a thing that happens in the bible i'm sure a lot of you know that it is is it me speculating don't know if it is um we know that phil loves paradise lost and i suspect that a large chunk of that has to do with such things i would imagine so i actually don't know that much about paradise lost so i I don't think i can speak i can't really speak on it this is what wikipedia says about the war in heaven just in case any of you don't really know about it like me Uh, The book of Revelation describes a war in heaven between angels led by the archangel Michael against those led by the dragon identified as the devil or Satan who will be defeated and thrown down to earth. Uh, Revelation's war in heaven is related to the idea of fallen angels and possible parallels have been proposed in the Hebrew Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls as well. I thought Revelations was the end book, not the beginning one. It says the book of Revelation is the final book of the New Testament. Yeah. I think that's like a coming repeated war as opposed to the like original one, which is like pre... So I think the original war in heaven is the... Satan. Yeah. Rebelling and then falling. And the Garden of Eden and all that shit. Basically, a lot of my understandings of a lot of Bible stories comes from having gone to church a lot as a kid because it was a real big like community thing in my village and doing like Sunday school and stuff because mum wanted a break on a Sunday, so... (laughs) But then I've also watched a lot of Supernatural and a lot of Lucifer (laughs) and a lot of like those TV series pull from biblical mythology to like inform their plot lines and stuff. And so the like whole concept of the reason Lucifer fell was because he was jealous of God's creation of man and that he was paying more attention to Adam and Eve and the men, humans even. That's why he rebelled and then was cast down. And then while he was the devil, he was like, screw you. I'm going to mess with your humans that you love, your little pets. And then that's why he tempts Eve to eat the apple, eat off the tree, etc., etc. And so that's kind of like the, I think that's like the pre-war is what like what Mary's remembering here rather than like coming war. Well, thank you. And also this is a good point to make. If any listeners, if you're well-versed in Christianity and this kind of stuff, that would be a great one for the mailbag if you want to tell us your thoughts around that because I am, as I have just demonstrated, 
No, absolutely nothing. I did vaguely know that story that you just told because I feel like that's definitely taught in like school and stuff, like well, the school that I went to. But it also just makes me mad because I feel like that's where a lot of disdain against women comes from. Eve being the one that eats the apple. Like there's so much going on there and different forms of Christianity, different forms and so many different religions have different stories that all follow like similar themes and stuff. And I would love to have a conversation with someone or a male with someone that feels they know more about it than Absolutely, we do yeah. because I definitely have huge holes in my knowledge considering it comes from having gone to church at a very young age, nothing, and then watching a lot of Supernatural. <laughs> There's a big gap there. Yeah, totally. No, I would, I would love to pick somebody's brain about it. I find that stuff very interesting, but it's not really something that I've ever thought about getting into because I'm just not a religious person and... I'm so much more into the, more just the storytelling aspects of it. Religious and cultural stories from loads of different cultures are fascinating. Like I bloody love myths and legends and folklore and all that kind of stuff, all from a storytelling perspective, rather than from like a a perspective of like having faith of any kind. <laughs> That's such an interesting point because I'd never thought of that before, but like I'm very much the same. Obviously I grew up, I wasn't, uh, raised in any particular religion I did I think I did a few stints at Sunday school just for the pure fact that my same as your mum just wanted a break but like I went to I don't know if it was a it, well I suppose it must have been a Christian school because we got taught we like said the Lord's Prayer and all that kind of stuff and we got taught all those stories it was probably C of E yeah yeah which is Church of England for any non-UK folks yeah and I always enjoyed the stories yeah, that's very true. I'd never thought about it that way. We used to have all through primary school, a vicar would come in and do our assemblies on a Friday. Oh God, we had that as well. Oh my God, my brain just clicked. Like This is the thing. In the UK, there is, especially in primary school education, the, this whole like separation of church and state thing, not so much a thing here. Like so much funding for schools in the UK comes from churches. And I remember my mum is a primary school teacher she they definitely had like reviews at points in time where like somebody from the church who sorted out a lot of the funding for the school would check out the school and there's things like they had to have a crucifix in every classroom wow they had to have this you know they had to say certain prayers they had to do hymns and assemblies they had to have like larger assembly services that were held in like church spaces and stuff and like varying levels of like religious education all based around the Christian faith. I remember it being a thing in primary school. When I moved up to secondary school, it wasn't like that. We had like, we had RE, religious education, but it taught us about all the different religions. Like it wasn't focused on Christianity and we didn't have assemblies where we had to do the Lord's Prayer and stuff. It was very much only in my primary school where that happened. Yeah, it's sec secondary school was definitely more secular. But we'd still have, and again, I feel like this is just because it's like the general assumption that the base, uh, the base cultural practice of the UK is Christianity, hence large Christmas holidays or like the like general focus on Christmas and stuff in the Western world. So we would have like a Christmas concert in the church down the road because it was like a a big space where it makes sense to have like a big carol singing concert. But that was like about as religious as it got, and like a Christmas dinner where like your whole house your whole school house would have like a big dinner in the hall but like it was very much mostly primary school I think that had the focus on religion but not even in lessons like RE we'd still learn about other faiths and stuff in RE but we'd then just have like a general 
sprinkling of Christianity over every aspect of our day, like having to say grace before eating dinner. And the Lord's Prayer in assembly or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So weird when you think about it too hard. <laughs> very, very weird. Very Considering weird. I did not opt into that, but that's also like most schools in the UK, especially smaller village schools and stuff, are funded by Church of England as well as their local councils. So weird. Oh no, it's like in different countries. Countries of yeah, the world. Tell us if you Gosh. had any religion forced upon you as a child in, by your school system that should have probably been secular. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get back to it. Yes. Side rant done. <laughs> Mary has been told that she must play the serpent. We don't really know exactly what that means because it could be interpreted a number of ways. It could. Being told to play the serpent to most people with a lay understanding of the story of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve is the serpent is the one that tempts Eve to eat the apple. They function as a tempter to persuade someone to do a sin. But who knows what that means in the terms of dust. Basically, then the dust it tells her where to go, which we will do the last bit. I don't understand. Why me? And what's this journey? And you have been preparing for this as long as you have lived. Your work here is finished. The last thing you must do in this world is prevent the enemies from taking control of it. Destroy the equipment. Do it now and go at once. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Also, being as Mary doesn't necessarily... So she knows that Lyra's from another world, but she doesn't necessarily know where she's going. And so the fact that this dust is like, the last thing you must do in this world is destroy your equipment, it makes it sound like she's going to die. Yeah, the last thing you must do in this world. Like, oh, oh. it's such a huge huge thing that mary just knows that this is true and she destroys all of her equipment and all of her work that she's been working on for i assume years and she just does it i definitely couldn't do it i have a big problem with letting go of anything ever you are a bit of a hoarder yeah just deleting like stray photos on my computer (laughs) is hard because i'm like what if i need it i've taken five photos of one object and only one of them is not fuzzy but for some reason i still feel bad about deleting the rest yeah (laughs) terrible at letting go of things i would this would be devastating for me to have to try and do but she knows that she's got to do it and she does it she takes some papers with her and the uh, eating poster as well and she leaves I imagine she felt like an absolute badass uh, yeah. walking back out past, like with the security guard that's been like, that questioned her on the way in to be like, you're going to get up to something devious or whatever. And she's like, no, I'm not. You have to let me through. Walks to her lab, destroys the lab and then walks out like, <laughs> bye, bye, bitch. It totally has the vibe of, do you know the SNL, uh, you might, I don't know if you've seen it, it was an SNL skit about cool guys don't look at explosions. In like action films, there's like explosions behind and like people walking and they don't look back. It's got that kind of vibe. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and a half later, she has pulled up to the road where Dust told her to go to. And this is like where a bit of doubt creeps in. She's like, what if it's a joke? What if I was dreaming? But then she's committed. She's got a, she's got a backpack. She's got a rucksack. And I love it. Mm-hmm. She had often taken camping journeys in Scotland and the Alps and reflected that at least she knew how to survive outdoors if worse came to worst. Yay. Yes, I... Love it. I love that Mary is into camping 
our whole theory about her doing a little Duke of Edinburgh award. Oh yeah, like going on a camping trip. She was probably a she was probably a girl guide. Like yes. <laughs> Yeah, I do relate hard to her being like when she gets there, being like, "Oh fuck," because I know this. This is a really obvious statement, but everything seems so much more real when you're actually there. Do you know what I mean? Like you can think, "Oh, I'm gonna do this thing," like I'm gonna do this thing, and I'm really nervous about this thing, but it'll be fine. And then you get there, and you're like, "Holy shit, I am here. This is a thing that is happening." And also, I just really love that the last lot when she's like, she can always run away to the hills, and then it's like ridiculous. <laughs> Just on its own, presented without comment. Yeah. Ridiculous. So she sees the tent that is protecting something that we learn is the window into Chittagatse. And she goes over there and she meets another fucking Jobsworth. I don't mind this one so much. He, he just seems to be like a little bit like glad to have someone to talk to because he's very chatty. <laughs> I think he's fucking stupid because he says to her, are you Mary Malone or do you know Mary Malone? She's not going to be like, oh, yeah. It's me. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just a really stupid way of, like, it's not very, like, stealthy. It's just like, oh, I'm supposed to, like, this, I'm supposed to look out for this Mary Malone. Like, do you know her? She's not going to be like, yeah, it's me. That's why I love him. (laughs) I really love it. He's just, again, it's the dust working there, making this person somebody that doesn't know how to hold their cards to their chest, I think. And that's, I quite like it. I like that it's easy for her because I don't want her to have to have another tense altercation with the security guard like I don't want her to have any of these things I I'm glad it's easy for her I'm very glad for her that Oliver is called Oliver so you can just tip x out the r and become Dr. Olive Payne excellent and just tip over your passport photo it must look really real what would what would she have done if he was called Richard yeah (laughs) I have no idea so the window Charles is protecting the window right is it because he thinks that she's going to go through it or is it because he's trying to stop Lyra and Will going through but it can't be that because they've got the knife so they can cut a window anywhere but like how how does he know that Mary's going to go through it I think in general he's just wealthy enough to put security guards on all of the things that he considers his assets and I suspect that he assumes ownership of the window and therefore has decided to put a security guard on it because like he's done that to the lab Mm. I just want to know like how much does he know? Do you know what I mean? Because he knows a lot. But like, he, ca- he can't know that Mary's going to, that Dust is going to tell Mary to go into Chittagatse, right? I think perhaps he's just got enough money that he can put a security guard on that window just in case. Because also he'll want to know if anyone uses that window. He'll want to know about that person. But they're specifically looking for Mary though. I guess that's like, what, like an APB has been put out on her? All points bulletin. Oh, I don't even know what that is. I watch too many cop shows. <laughs> Clearly. Or slash Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh God, I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I feel like I've never heard that before. I feel like an APB or All Points Bulletin is where it's just like a general call out to be like, keep an eye out for somebody of this description, keep an eye out for a car of this description, etc., etc. Like all of the walkie talkies receive that message. She's been put on the wall as a person of interest. <laughs> <laughs> Do not let Mary in this shop. Yeah, it says, well, I understand her position in your organisation's been terminated and she wouldn't be allowed through here. In fact, we've got orders to detain her if she tries. So it seems specific. But anyway, I don't know. So I'm not going to go into it any further because I have no idea what's going on. Charles knows that Mary has had contact with Lyra and Will. So perhaps he assumes that they've told her about the window. 
Maybe, yeah. And that she's going to try and use it. To find them. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's relatively logical. Like, if it's all connected, there's only so many windows around, right? Stick a guard on the window. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The guy lets her through. He stood back and let her unlace the flap of the tent. She hoped he wouldn't see the shaking of her hands. Clutching the rucksack to her breast, she stepped through. Deceive the guardian. Well, she'd done that, but she had no idea what she would find inside the tent. She was prepared for some sort of archaeological dig, for a dead body, for a meteorite, but nothing in her life or her dreams had prepared her for that square metre or so in midair, or for the silent sleeping city by the sea that she found when she stepped through it. Oh, oh Mary! She's injured to get safe. Just teared up a bit reading that, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Just made me a bit emotional. Oh girl, stepping between worlds. That's the end of the chapter. Mary's gone through to Chittagatze. What the fuck is going to happen there? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? What a enraging chapter. Enraging, but I, I actually really enjoyed that chapter. I thought it was a really good chapter. I would apologise for how angry we've been throughout this chapter, but that would not be in line with my feelings about women having to apologise for how they feel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, what a chapter. Dr. Oliver can do one. Dr. Olive sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's also exciting because we've learned some more about dust for the first time in a long time. Yes. And we've spoken to dust. We've spoken to dust. Dust has blown our minds right now because dust is angels. Angels are a thing. Angels. Dust is angels. We kind of have had angels mentioned a few times this book, casually in passing. Well, we knew that Ruta went off with the angels. True. Oh, oh my god, that feels like so long ago. But now we know it's a thing. Dust is angels? Yeah. Like, how does that work? Angel is a job, not a thing, is the other thing. Angel is the job we do, not what we are. And they want vengeance, so does that mean that they're not good? Vengeance against who? Mm, exactly. Very exciting. Do you want to know what the next chapter is called? I do. Get ready. I'm going to pronounce it. Asahetra. It's the funny letters. It is. <laughs> to it's, us, anyway. You've got two A's and an R directly after a T. <laughs> wow. And literally, we have got that pronunciation from the TV show. So, thank you, TV show. I would never have known how to pronounce that if we'd got to that before. I grew up reading these books, pronouncing it as Hatter. <laughs> so, why not? Why not? Yeah. Do you Do you have an award to give out? Obviously, it's just for Mary know, for being an same. absolute badass and putting up with bullshit and then not putting up with bullshit. Yes. How could it be Mary. for anybody else? Who else would you, would we even give it to in that chapter? Nobody else deserves the slightest bit of award because everyone else has been rubbish. <laughs> I feel like I've been giving mine to like main characters a lot recently because like I used to look into like really tiny side characters and be like, oh, I want to give it to this person. But like, People are just doing, like, the main characters are just doing great jobs at the minute, and I'm like, I feel like they deserve it. They are. The core group are also not meeting that many extras. Very true, very true, yeah. The core group is quite isolated at the moment, and also going through a lot, so they deserve a lot of stuff. Or interacting with people that are trash, and do not deserve awards. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Speaking of awards and rewards, we are still running our giveaway whereby if you leave us a review a positive review please uh five stars, five stars. or more <laughs> or more. more five <laughs> is the max if you can do more do more yeah. um <laughs> if you leave us a positive review and screenshot it and send us an email with that screenshot 
to herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. That will become your entry into a prize draw giveaway where we'll pull out 10 names from a hat once we reach 50 entries. And 10 of you will get some super cool HDM pod bookmarks and one person will get the full bookmark sticker merch bundle. Yes, please, please say nice things. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it and it helps us out. Yes, it really helps other people to find the podcast and to help us in all the pesky podcast rankings. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not expressing my undying love for Mary, you can find me hanging out on Twitter and Instagram at Fayley, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E-Triple-Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not impersonating mysterious conscious particles of matter, I am making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories. And all will be well. Well.